at all. So, Brad, thanks for coming in. We might have a show. <laughs> we might Maybe have a show. Me. Awesome. It's that fancy new mic he has. I see yeah, something yeah. expensive in front of him. Isn't it one of those ones you have? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have him in the office, but uh, not, 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 not at home. But uh, what's going on with you, Brad? What's, uh, what's new in your world? Not much. Long weekend here. Um, really not much going on. How about you? What have you been doing? Um, you know, it's pretty much the calm before the storm down here in Florida. Oh, literally. How far are yeah. you going to be from this hurricane then? No, I'm going to, I, uh, I might be in the middle, like, oh, like not in the eye eye, but uh, the maps is looking like it's going to hit um, our city, our town pretty hard. So yikes. So Stocking up on water and canned foods. And I, I just uh, went to Target today and bought like $150 worth of board games for the kids. <laughs> you know, we might do some analog gaming this week. I went through one in 95. I remember all that. I was in Bermuda at the time. And, oh, uh, they scare me. I was, I was uh, actually going back and forth with Amanda Aguilard. Because, um, you know, there was fear that New Orleans was going to get hit. And I just say, no, be safe and all that. We were comparing hurricane notes. You must have had a few down there, though, right? Yeah, yeah, we 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 we've been through a couple. It's, it's just summertime. Yeah. So Andrew's still trying, is he? Um, Andrew, he's trying. I don't know. I think he rebooted his computer. Um, so we I we did open mic today. Maybe we'll have a couple of surprise guests here. Um, so Andrew, what about um? Are you going? You are going to QuickBooks Connect, right? You already uh, made your arrangements for that. Are you talking to Andrew? No, to you, uh, Brad, sorry, to you. I'm still a little bit on the fence. I just got right. some things going on. Um, yeah, like I think I mentioned to you online, I had a real slow summer. So I'm sort of have to rethink my uh, my conferencing strategy since I've been to three already this year. Right, of course. But yeah, I definitely want to be there. I mean, it's, it's San Jose. It's my favorite thing. Uh, it's my favorite conference of them all. So we'll find a way. And I may or may not have a ticket lined up, but we'll just leave we'll it. We'll see if FOMO, if FOMO takes over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it will. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to ask Andrew that same question. Yeah, Andrew's also kind of on the fence, right? Um, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been chatting back and forth about that. Well, he's got Toronto in, in December, obviously. and it's, it's Which will go. He'll go to that. Well, of course. He just has to walk to it. So, yeah, and, yeah. and we did that last year. We shared an Airbnb. Um, we'll We'll see. I've, I put in for a speaking thing there, so we'll, it's really not in my hands right now. But Yeah. So let's see. We have Steve Chase here. Yeah, Steve Chase is trying to log in. Not sure. Uh, I saw him for a second, but maybe he's trying to get the, the mic going. Maybe it's this hurricane. Hello. It's just messing everything up. Oh, he's got, yeah. he's got, he's, can you hear me? He's got uh, we, some. We can hear you. Uh, we just can't see you now. Let oh, me try. Uh, now there we you can go. See, there we now go. Now we see you. So Steve, first time in the show. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Th thanks for uh, thanks for filling filling the void. Michael went to sleep, and uh, oh, that's what he's doing. To... He's sleeping right now. Probably, yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> and and Andrew bought a new fancy mic, but he can't get it to work. So, <laughs> uh, so Steve, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Where where do you uh, where, what's uh, what's your role in the in, in our ecosystem, and where do you work from, and what type of clients <clears throat> you work with? Yeah, so um, I'm in San Antonio, Texas, and I started my firm two years ago. And so um, prior to doing that, I spent 10 years working for a company where I was doing Excel training and QuickBooks training. So then I got to go um, across country and teach all sorts of Microsoft Office products. And I was during the era where we went from the desktop to cloud with Office 365 and uh, learned a lot of skills, but then finally got the courage to actually get up and start my own bookkeeping firm. So, so you were really got were me into employed? bookkeeping. You, you were employed or were you a contractor as a trainer? I was a, employed. Yeah. Full-time. Full-time teaching and it was, you know, it started off in 2007, we were doing in-person training and then, you know, 2010 and 12 and all that, that's when it started to go shift to online training. And, um, and then of course I would fly all over, all over country to these different companies and teach these folks, Microsoft office. Um, 
Meanwhile, my wife had a business um, that she started in 2008, $5dinners.com, that took off. And uh, within three months or so, we needed a bookkeeper. So I literally taught myself QuickBooks desktop and uh, was able to still do her, her books. And right now she's got uh, four, four companies that she's spun off with with her organizations. So what was really exciting is I was doing her bookkeeping the whole time. And when I first lifted to starting my own company, QuickBooks had the five for five for life, five for 25 for life. When I was just getting my pro advisor in May, 2017, I was like, I'm going to take that. So I took three of her companies right off the bat and moved them to that platform. Then I got my own QBO plus with Q, um, with the, with the pro advisor program. And um, so things are great. We're growing and um, very, very excited for the future of what we can do with these tech and apps. So, and, and are you working with a specific uh, niche? Oh, I think Andrew's in. And is my audio working? Yeah, we yes, can hear you. That's what happens when you drop all that money on a mic. <laughs> it won't work the first time. Yeah. Love my uh, roadcaster right now in that not at all type of way. <laughs> I got the yeah, USB Hector, I, I, I am working with the niche. Um, I would say I work with bloggers and uh, creatives that have online online presence and mostly mostly service-based companies that a lot of the a lot of the folks that I help they don't actually need to use QuickBooks for sending out invoices or accounts payable. So I can connect to the bank feeds really easily. And uh, we have every month we have a profit and loss review through Zoom. And um, it's, it's really, really feels good to do all that. It's what we call just cash basis work, right? Just yep. whatever comes in through the bank and credit card and your, that we, I, I love, I would love to make a living just doing that. It's just, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> so, some of my manufacturing clients get so complex that it's just impossible. To do, to do something like that. So two years ago, so I, I'm sure this has been a really intense two years because um, you know, I, I know you, you comment in a lot of the stuff that I do or podcasts and stuff like that. So that means you're, 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 you're listening and reading and learning about a lot of stuff. So it's like, you didn't just start your practice and figure out on your own. You're very involved in social media. At least you're absorbing stuff mm -hmm. and you're listening, to, you're listening to the same podcast that I'm listening to because i see you commenting on them the soul of enterprise and and the yeah. art of value and that sort of thing so what has been the most uh, intense part the most uh just sort of the, the most mind-opening part of this last two years of you opening a business and at the same time being very studious of all these different ideas that are out there in, uh, in, well, in honestly, it, it was it was myself. I had I had to convince myself I could do it. And once once I know the value I'm providing with the, my very first customer right off the bat, it went so well. She referred me to somebody in Colorado, and then that person in Colorado referred me to somebody in Indianapolis, and that person's referring me. So it's like it's been a multiplying effect of referrals that I've gotten. And I just had no idea that I would get so many referrals right off the gate. No idea. And, and um, going back, going back retroactively, you know, you know uh, hindsight obviously is 2020, but what, what do you think you did right or well, or, 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 or what is it about the interaction with the first one that's, that sparked a really good lead? It looks like that you closed in a different state and then, so what do you think was sort of the secret sauce to, 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 to just nailing it right off the bat? I, I think it's just being super curious about how everything works with every transaction. I've always been very curious about the profit and loss, the balance sheet and self kind of teaching myself a long way and reading books and such. And so, and then just absolutely obsessing on getting it right. So calling QuickBooks support in the early days, I would, I felt like QuickBooks support was was my employees uh, because I could call them during the day and talk to them, screen share, and I used them so much in my first six months to go through everything that I was a little bit hesitant towards, uh, and just not being afraid to tell a customer, you know what, I don't know that, but we're gonna figure it out. I'm gonna get back to you on that, and I think just number one, I love learning, and I love the bookkeeping like I'm, I'm super I, if you love what you do it, it just feels great so 
I think that rubs off on my customers and they, they feel it. And, um, it's super, and I, I've just enjoyed being super engaged with, with everybody that I, that I'm working with. Awesome. Oh, Andrew, have you met Chase? Uh, have you met, uh, you met, uh, Steve? Yeah. What's that? Uh, no, I said, I oh, Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. Uh, just Steve online, just online. Yeah, just online. But, uh, I think what you're saying, Steve, about, you know, being open to just saying, Hey, I don't know what the answer is. Let me get back to you being relatable like that and being sincere and authentic people really relate to that. Right. And I think oh, that's the yeah. type of coach that people are looking for is someone who's just going to be honest and direct with them. Um, yeah. And I can totally relate to you with, with the type of businesses that you have because IT consultants are just the same. We don't have those same accounts payable issues and, you know, they're owner managed businesses. So you're not even really dealing with payroll. They're kind of dream clients, aren't they? Yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. It's really, every, every client of mine is really enjoyable to work with. I have to say that. So Steve, do you, yes, do you have an accounting background? You just self-taught? I do not have an accounting background. I just, through school, wow. I loved algebra, geometry, math was, was my thing. And um, just obsessed about getting the reports right. I, I've always been fascinated. My, my dad was a business owner and I, I've just always been fascinated because he would show me our company's financial reports and charts. Like, And then when I got to teach Excel for 10 years, all of the lessons that we did were centered around finances. And so accounting is the language of business. And I just thought, this nice. is, I'm just want to obsess about it. And so, um, I mean, I remember watching Oral Roberts, Greg, Dr. Ray Gregg has all these accounting videos on YouTube that I would just watch. And at, at my former job, I got to teach accounting principles and Excel. And every every lesson we did was accounting, sales and marketing and transactions. So and so it's really with houses. my wife's blog that when she started selling all this through PayPal and uh, Stripe and seeing all those transactions come on her e-commerce site, uh, it just got even better and better because I could really see that this is going to the profit and loss. This is going to the balance sheet. And I'm just one of those people that I have to know behind what every dollar in and out does to the, to the statements. It's impressive. I love I mean, that your first, sorry, go ahead. Dad, Greg. Dad, I was going to say, I love that your first client was, uh, My was a client with PayPal and e-commerce. Like you, you got one of the most nightmarish sort, sort of situations. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. yeah. I remember in 2008, uh, cause when she gets all these affiliates coming in, I mean, we would have over lots of rows in, I would take to Excel and copy and paste every dollar amount into QuickBooks desktop and the customer. And just, it was just was so labor, laborious. And now with the bank feeds, it's like hours, hours saved through the bank feed and so much more reliable with reconcili reconciliation. So now that you bring in just, just to get a little bit wonky on it. Do you bring a detailed information like, um, you know, like you, you bring in all these sales that she's making on, on through her website? Do you bring in sort of to the to the item level, or you're just doing sort of global? Uh, global, deposit? global. We don't need to for sales tax. I can go to her Stripe and filter it by Texas and easily. Okay. Yeah. yeah so you manage that through. And, and I think a lot of people in the e-commerce world they make the mistake of of trying to integrate everything about e-commerce into the accounting system. And it, and it ends up being so much work. And at the end, you really don't have that much additional info from what yeah. you can get from the portals in the first place. Um, right. Brad, did you do with any uh, e-commerce uh, clients at all? I don't do a ton, but I did some um, with a client about a year ago. We were using um, WooCommerce. It was a, a WooCommerce website. And I used, um, what's the name of the tool that ties it in now? Webgility? I can't remember the tool, but it was, um, was it, it was, agility? No, it wasn't that, but it was, um, it was, I know what Steve's saying about not necessarily needing all the detail and just going in and getting some of the summary information because we have tax issues here with our sales tax and we have a national sales tax and it really all ties back to where you're delivering that service. And, and my client, she's a, she is a yoga um, guru, believe it or not. She does, um, live training um, online, but she also would have these live sessions in assorted cities all over the place. So it was interesting because, yeah, it, the tax didn't just naturally flow out of it, but we, I just had to wing it a bit. But 
but um yeah it was it was um it was interesting i didn't stick with that client for very long unfortunately but um it was educational i'd like to do more e-commerce i'm i'm haven't really had that opportunity yet yeah and you andrew are you dealing with dealing with any e-commerce at all uh i literally have like one client that does e-commerce so we're certainly not our expertise but um, it always does sound so interesting when I hear Seth talk about it and, you know, it's, it's got, you know, all the sales tax issues to deal with, particularly, you know, when, when you're That's dealing with the states and, and, you know, having nexus and different states based on your volume. Um, so it sounds kind of interesting and, and definitely kind of complicated. Um, but it's one of those things that we struggle with, with getting more clients because we haven't had enough experience in it. So we can't really call ourselves experts in it. So we can't get more clients in it. So we're in that sort of chicken and an egg thing. Um, I definitely find it interesting and would like to learn more. Um, I need some guinea pig customers <laughs> uh, who are who are willing to let us uh, learn and experiment on them. And because the the one that we do have is just strictly here in Canada, so they only sell on the Amazon, uh, the Canadian Amazon store, which makes it a lot more easy to to deal with. Because um, you know, when you start going into the U.S. and you start having all these nexus issues and figuring out what states you have to file sales tax in and register in, and it seems it seems to me like it's complicated. I know a lot of people have it figured out, um, but we haven't experimented with it yet. And I have a client like that, Andrew, like he just said, with the he, he's based here, and he we're going to look into it. Um, I've actually had Teresa um, Slack. Uh, I've talked to her a little bit about it, but same thing. He's going to be selling into the States and that's the big challenge is, is yeah. just making sure that we're on side because even though we're up here in Canada, it doesn't mean we don't have to pay attention to the IRS because it's, it's kind of the opposite or, I, or at least the state taxing authorities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the big one. I've warned him. I said, don't just wing this because you might end up going out of business if, if one day the long arm of the U S law comes knocking on your door and you know, they will just yeah. as we're in Canada, that doesn't protect us. So. Well, and I, I know enough to be dangerous. I, I heard about yeah. that Wayfair case and that, yes. that gave me um, a bit of a fright about figuring out where we would have to follow and whatnot. How about you, Hector? You do anything in the. Um... Yeah, I, I wanted, I wanted to chime in and say that even beyond the tax implications of e-commerce, let, let's say for example, that you, you are a, a, a QuickBooks consultant, technology specialist, you don't do tax, you don't care about tax, the client has their own tax team. Mm-hmm. Even beyond, even if you were to get, you know, get all the tax straight up, uh, straight away, there's a lot of moving parts with e-commerce. I mean, there's, so what I've learned, and I've, I don't have clients that I manage through e-commerce. I have, I would probably say maybe about 40 or 50 in my lifetime that I have worked with, uh, that I have helped in different situations. And most of the times it's very uh, sort of short term where they want one very specific thing to get done. So one of the things I learned about e-commerce is most folks, when they're multi-platform, so let's say they're selling in Amazon, eBay, uh, Shopify, and wholesale as well, right, through directly, they want reports that tells them sales by platform. And that's one of the hardest things to do because you have to somehow, whatever software you use to bring data, to, to code these things with classes or locations or something that allows me to then later on pull a report for that. So that's challenge number one I've seen is, is getting this global sales by platform number. The second challenge I've seen, especially with um, uh, platforms like Amazon that sort of uh, take, take care of some of the expenses internally is that if you were just to bring in the net deposits or the net sales and not get the details, you're not going to get sort of your raw sales and your, and some cost of goods sold like, uh, like the shipping and, mm-hmm. and third-party warehousing and that sort of thing. So you also have to break that down if you wanted to see. And this is just a presentation issue because the net will obviously be the same. So that's the other second challenge. And, and the biggest one really, it's when they want the item list in QuickBooks to match all the item lists across all the, all the e-commerce uh, platforms. And then beyond that, to, to, to have a two-way communication so the e-commerce platforms knows that you have it in stock or not. And, and assuming you can achieve that wonderful piece of magic, which is getting your 
your your uh, your your platforms to know whether you have something in stock or not. Then you have to make sure that your QuickBooks inventory is right, which is a whole another <laughs> problem. So um, so I I found that when a client wants a full e-commerce integration, sort of results driven, like I want turnkey, I want to work with you however long it takes, and I want to have a functional ecosystem. I basically refer it out because it's 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 I don't even know how much I would price something like that. It would be somewhere in the ten to twenty thousand dollar range, just just because I know this is going to be three months of trial and error, three months of anxiety, and going back and forth, and it would be a enormous amount of work and attention I would have to pay to this file. It's not the type of not not that's not the type of client. It's not the type of stress I want to bring into my practice, and I don't have a, a whole bunch of people in my practice that that also would you know that have enough e-commerce a background where they say, yeah, I can take this project soup, soup to nuts, right? Um, so if so, I tell that to my clients up front and, and they say, no, no, I really want to work with you. And I come back and say, okay, this is what I can do. I can help you clean up your inventory in QuickBooks and, and I'll play with all the levers in WebGility or whatever third-party software we're using to, to integrate. And I'll show you, you know, how the SKUs integrate with the item list and that sort of thing. But then I'll stop there. I'll give you the homework. You take care of it just because there's because you have to finagle with the website, right? You have to look, go into the item list on the website. You have to finagle with with skew, skew numbers. And mm -hmm. I, I just dealt with a client like like two days ago, uh, Wednesday or yeah, Wednesday. He has he has an item list in QuickBooks. He uploaded it to the website, and then one day he just decided to change the item list in QuickBooks, change all the the names because he, he thought that if the, he named the items better, it would be better. What, what what turned out to be is the mapping was yeah. based on item name. Oh no! So, so so now when he was syncing, uh, the software was creating all brand new inventory items. Can you imagine? You know, like your item list all of a sudden being double, triple the size because you decided to change item name. So there's a lot of these little nuances that have, and it, it all depends on what sync application you use. He was using WebGility. Um, there, there's, there's, there's many out there. So depending on what you're using, how it links and how it connects, it could be a potential mess if, if, and again, I, I don't have any issue cleaning it up. It's just like, are they paying me for that? Right. And usually they're not, you know, they're, they're paying for the 10, 15 hours it should take you to press the right buttons and make it all work in one shot like magic. And it doesn't work like that, at least not in my experience. And, and Steve, I'm sure it took you a while just doing the simple integration with bank feeds and, and, and PayPal and uh, using Stripe. I'm sure it took a, several tries of trial and error, trying different settings until you got the, the hang of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, I have another client that's on Amazon FBA. And so I connected A2X, which um, has been really, really, really powerful. Really powerful. That's pretty we're, cool tool. And we're about to t tap in the European market, England, Spain, France, or not Germany, Germany. Could you um, elaborate why A2X is important? Like what, what was significant? Well, about I, uh, what I did was I interviewed, this is a, last year I interviewed WebGility, got on the sales call with them and then A2X and I, and, and those, I narrowed it down to those two. And so to me, I, I, I felt like A2X was the most responsive. I got on zoom uh, sales calls with them from New Zealand or Australia, two of them. And then, had two onboarding sessions. We created a, a, a fake, a trial QBO account, did the mappings. I got one-on-one -on -one attention and um, great follow-up. And then, yeah, just this morning, I was emailing one of the reps who's in Australia and she answered me like two seconds later. And um, what's great is uh, they reduced the cost. So it was gonna be separate cost to have a North American marketplace and a Europe. But now, um, because our volume is low in Europe, because it's just testing it, we can now be included in our base plan. So that's what we're talking about today and getting that connected. Remap. We've already mapped it, but it's now ready to start pu pushing that lever. Can you, can you explain what the app does uh, for the people? Yeah, the so um, basically it has an integration that does all the mapping. So when I get an email twice a month from A2X that says your settlement report has posted from... Amazon. And uh, for example, there was one that, that settled on January 4th, 2019. 
and Amazon settlement reports do not break the years up. So one lump sum that most of it was in 2018 for the sales and part four days in 2019 or whatever it was. So what A2X does is it looks at every single date of the settlement and it can separate it by the date and it pushes journal entries into QBO where it will break down the sales, the refunds, uh, Amazon's cost of goods, shipping, um, all these fees that Amazon has, and um, you just basically map it. You can do it with or without tax, so it will it will like uh, it won't create a um, like a sales tax liability as per se that you're filing taxes. But but what it will do is it will it will create a a, um, a liability for the tax so that we could just go. To, through um, paid sales tax through the VAT in U the UK. Um, it's, get, it's getting pretty deep and interesting, but basically in, in a nutshell is uh, it will show you, it will push the data sets since all broken down by the, by the difference income and expense cost goods tr tracking. So it's also technology able to then do an inventory the, valuations too. Yeah. Is the, the technology uh, then sort of solve a lot of that tax problems that, that I'm afraid of or that I have that fear of, is that, does A2X help come in and solve that, help you identify, you know, what the thresholds are and like, obviously you need to know where you need to report based on what thresholds, but I guess it breaks it all out for you by state. Um, I, I have not, ex haven't gotten that deep with it as far as individual, like we're, we're still using Excel for that, that piece. Interesting. So what, what attracted you to it? Like, um, obviously, I mean, it seems to be really popular e-commerce right now. Everyone's trying to dive into it. Um, is it just because it's such an emerging growing industry? Was it that it was complicated? What made you want to dive into it? Was it just, you know, you had a great customer that you wanted to work with? Yeah, a little bit was, uh, can you do this, Steve? And I, and I just got intrigued and, and it was, I had the capacity to do it and research it. And I really liked the product that they're selling. And I thought, let's do it. Now, I, I will say that um, I am going to be very cautious going forward because my niche is, you know, working with bloggers and people that are service-based companies. That's, that's my thing. So um, I think I, I just feel so lucky that A2X is working great for us and we can figure out the sales tax outside of A2X, which is great. So I feel comfortable there, but going forward, I mean, I think it, it, it would have to be a team and it's going to, it would, be somebody that you you really have to be willing to make mistakes and grow. The the learning curves are just going to be tremendous. But if you can do it and you want to do it, and that's the thing, you got to want to do it. And I, I don't feel like that's the direction our firm needs to go. Well, one thing I tell you for sure, based on what people are willing to pay to get the solutions going, e-commerce is probably one of the most profitable niches to go into because so many accountants like like Steve, they get asked, can you do it? And a lot of us, you know, we, we, we can't say no to a challenge, but then what happens is we, we hit that wall really quick and the, and a lot of clients hire their, their, their professional with the expectation that there, there isn't a long learning curve. They're already, that, that it's going to be a, a few buttons. They, they're not, they're CPAs mm -hmm. or whatever. They're pro advisors. They'll know what to do. And that's not really what it is. And, there, and there's, there's a lot of learning that goes through e-commerce. Right. And, and even after you learn it, it changes, right? They, they'll change no. the API, they change yeah. the platform. Yeah. It looks different, right? O always for the sake of, of improvement. But, um, but yeah, that's a, so like I think what Steve says, that's why I, I know, and we, we've talked about it in our firm, we know, we recognize that if you wanted to make you know, big money in this, it would be e-commerce for sure. But you know, we went so deep into manufacturing and, and even within manufacturing, there's a few that go with e-commerce and we even sub that out or refer that portion out and we stay within the inventory management portion in, in QuickBooks because no matter what, it is something that you have to get really deep into. And if, if, you're, if, you're, in the, if you're in the part of your career where in the next six months or so you want to make easy money, and when, when I say easy, I mean stuff that you can predictively know how much time it's going to take you and, and take clients that you'll feel, you know, just pick one niche that's not as deep as e-commerce. 
exactly what Steve is saying. Like he's, you know, that, that's not a complicated niche, right? The bloggers and creatives, because they don't have that many moving parts that goes into their accounting. They do need advice, uh, but they, there's a lot of moving parts that goes into their accounting. So, so Steve, let me, let's, let's move over to specialization and, and, and niche. So what have you found valuable about staying within the niche and, and not going out there and having customers of all sorts of industries? Well, I mean, just being able to hit the monthly profit and loss statements and just how much software my niche uses to consume and just being able to see benchmarks and see from so much data as far as what software is working. A lot of my customers use the same software and some will explore. So it just adds such more value to me. And they're looking at advice on, should I have this, this particular CRM or this marketing program? And it's just really enjoyable to to see that and you just that's what's blown me away is when I was just working for my wife's books I didn't I wasn't able to see other people's data and it's very uh very awesome to talk on that as a trust advisor and expertise on how all these software applications and these monthly fees and I, I just so it just feels so good when we're sitting in a Zoom conference and I go through every dollar and I click on the summary of a profit loss and it opens up software. It just feels so good when they say, I'm not using that. And then they go and cancel that. Um, and just, I'm saving them money. I'm really being super wise on what they're doing. And I think um, as far as being able to see multiple customers that use the same software, it really helps to see that and point out differences and you know lead them in a, in a good way. And I'm sure you're asking them, what does this software do? What, what is the purpose of this app? And they tell you, and then, and then you start learning about the stuff that's redundant. You're like, wait a second, doesn't the other software do that? Yeah. And like, yeah, but this one does it a little bit different. And then you, 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 you get into the conversation that says, well, if you were to pick one, would it really be all that bad and save the $80 a month or whatever than the other one is? I'm, I'm sure that those conversations are starting to become uh, more and more fluid. And then you pick up a new client and you start looking at their stuff and you're right away saying, hey, by the way, aren't you, isn't this redundant? So I think that having those conversations about what our customers use every day and being inquisitive and learning, and you have to retain some of this stuff. Like you're going to have to remember what HubSpot does and what, you know, mm -hmm. whatever all these CRM programs do and click mm -hmm. funnels and all these things that these guys are into, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so, so tell me maybe a top three software programs that these uh, bloggers and creators are using that, that they're loving just like what, what, um, what, what, kind of, and what, uh, what do they do? Okay. There's a company out of Santa Barbara called Entreport and they're a, an all-in-one CRM with the ability to set up shopping forms online and just have these uh, really nice landing pages you can build and track reports based on who's coming to your site and following up with email nurturing sequences. Um, so that would be, that would be one of the top ones that are used is by that, my customers. Is that one of those famous funnel? Is that it's like a funnel? It's, it's, that... it's a, yeah, it would be a, it would be a funnel type program. You know what? Tell, can you tell Arctic us what automation? the heck a funnel is? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so basically um, the goal is uh, if you're going to have a online membership course or sell anything online that is going to be a product or service, you're going to first start off with having lots of people visit your website. And that's a large audience that starts at the top and you're going to allow it very easy for them to connect with you. And that's going to be just simple as getting their email. Uh, the ability to get somebody to fill out a form that says, Hey, let's have a free discovery call or have somebody, um, just simply just connect with you and add a comment on a blog post. Well, so that's the top layer. And the goal is for a business owner is how can you convert them to a customer that really wants to come back and repeat? So after you get their email, you can start sending them free content, exclusive content over a short period of time and just keep giving them great value, great value. And then uh, figure out a way to sell them a product that's very low, less than 10 bucks, but it's going to be super valuable to them, whether it's uh yourself or a product or a video or some kind of a white paper. And if you can get them to convert for just two or $3, you are leading them down a path that's getting narrower 
but they're more likely to buy from you after they've purchased something that's low risk, less than 10 bucks, you've got their credit card, and then, then they're getting close to the funnel, then you can go further down and start to figure out options, three options or so, something higher value down the line. So getting into like a customer lifetime value would be somebody who just doesn't know you at all, but did a Google search, landed on your webpage, got something great, and you just kept coming back and kept giving them content. So down at the very bottom of the funnel is gonna be those folks that are high converting valuable customers that are purchasing high-end items like online courses and such like that. Meanwhile, Entreport shows every single web form you have, landing page, how many people visit it by day, by month. And what's really amazing is uh, let's, you could just do a, a month summary and say that 45 people filled out that form. Boom, you see 45, you click on 45, you see all of them, the states they're at, and then you can see which of those 45 people decide to take the next move to purchase something or uh, has visited your website X amount of times. And you can see if they're opening up your emails, you can see what clicks they're clicking on when you send them an email, what link they click to watch maybe a YouTube video or something like that. So a funnel is just basically, they're all doing it. Click funnels. Um, a lot of these companies are doing it. It's just moving somebody to desired position. They're nurturing them and uh, providing value up the chain. Yeah, we Does use that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. We use Infusionsoft to do. Infusionsoft, so, yep. yep. It's, uh, it's a great tool. Um, which actually leads me down to uh, another question I want to talk about uh, today, which was the stickiness of technology. We're relying on technology so much these days and the barrier to switching once you're ingrained um, becomes very difficult. And particularly when you talk about a CRM system, where once you're building out these funnels, you're building out these landing pages, it makes it very, very difficult to switch from one platform to another. And one of the things that, that we're seeing up in Canada right now is, you know, some of the platforms go through these major overhauls, fundamental shifts in the way that they're doing their pricing and their packaging. Um, you know, what do you find are the technologies that are the things that once you're into them, uh, you really, it's very difficult for you to move off and onto a competitive or competitive product. And what are the ones that are really easy? And I'd love to hear your answer from your own perspective as a bookkeeper as well as maybe uh, from your client's perspective as well. Well, the biggest, the biggest thing for, for, from my perspective or just helping anybody out in that world is it's, it's super easy to, to take a list of your customers from one system to another system. They all will make that very easy to get a CSV list from one system to another system. But what is a challenge is um, for my clients is cost and the, the ability that these software companies are, are keep increasing their costs and it just feels like we don't have in QuickBooks. How many times has QuickBooks raised their prices in the last two years? We, we just are fighting that battle. So conversations I have often with my bloggers is this, this software company just raised their prices. And it, within one week, I was doing three profit and losses and it, I went from one to one to one. And I, it was amazing because I had just heard this from two other people. So it was like, I could speak to it that this is a thing that's going on and just kind of feel their pain with them. But cost is always going to be an issue, but it is um, switching systems. It's just a pain, right? What you have to really, you really um, want to switch if it's, if it's, and uh, it's a little bit risky because your email delivery rates can change based on the platform. So you may have been sending out emails and uh, you just, every system's a little bit different as far as how, how the numbers will actually, what people will actually get those emails and, and activate them and not land in spam and something like that. So a lot of factors with, with the software. There's no, I don't think there's any perfect way, but um, it, is, it is amazing that we have the tools to communicate value to, to people through a list of emails that they give you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly powerful what you can do with whether it's uh, the tool that you mentioned or Salesforce or Infusionsoft or I think Quant's another one that's being recommended on, on the chat now. Um, there's so many great pieces of technology and I guess that's where the niche expertise really comes in is because you know the ones that 
the industry is using, right? You've got that experience and you're knowing the pitfalls and the pain points of the things and, and the things to watch out for by having that experience with so many people in your niche, you're able to add that value because of those conversations and those relationships that you're having that might almost seem trivial uh, at the moment, but that build up that breadth of knowledge that are helping you to, you know, just continue to become better and better at your craft within that niche. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Brad, we haven't heard from you for a while. What about you? What, what <laughs> right. do you think about this whole Pluto thing and what technologies are difficult for you to, to, to move off from and what are the ones that are easy to move off from? You just said Pluto-ish thing? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Well, the, there's no. that whole – that's been going around the, the web up in here in Canada, their big price change. and Yeah. Um, and, and just to let Hector and Steve know, I don't know if Pluto's very big down there. It's a payment portal. Mm. Um, they they t- are not a portal. It's a tool. It, it It's it's a pretty slick little tool. And they charge a flat $1 per transaction. That's what they've always charged. And they've decided, forget about a buck. We're going to charge you 25 dollars flat whether you use one transaction or or how many well no it's up to 10 transactions yeah so what's happening is people are dropping it like crazy like just like crazy saying well my client doesn't want to pay 25 bucks a month they they're used to paying three and four dollars a month well think of it from the app perspective they're making four dollars a month like whoop de doo right they they've just decided they don't want those lower hanging that lower hanging fruit they want bigger clients. So they've, yeah. they've drawn a line in the sand and say minimum 25 and people are going crazy up here. It's been a, a major controversy up here. The, the owner, the founder of the company has been all over the place saying, you know, it is what it is. And there's other homes for these people. But last night, um, or it was actually two nights ago, and this might interest you, Andrew, you know, my friend, Eric, um, I can't yep. remember if Hector was on when he was on. He, 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 was listening to all this and he says, you know, what's going on. He thinks Pluto has an acquisition. Uh, someone's trying to buy them and they don't, they want to strip all these tiny little clients out of their, their client mix and just focus on the big ones. And then we got to thinking um, another payment uh, company. Uh, is it we pay? Is that what they call those guys? They were just purchased by a major charter bank up here. And it got us thinking again, well, maybe another bank is making a play on Pluto, you know? So, there's all these things going on. There's been so many price changes this week up here in Canada as well. We've, we got the T-Sheets one today, uh, Pluto this week. Uh, we've got Intuit, uh, QBO. We're, we're not like the States where you guys have, are up to 70 bucks now and you've had a few increases. We haven't in, had an increase in three years. Um, we were at $40 Canadian, which is next to nothing in America, and we're going to 50 Like, that's it. That's our big jump. And then just today they announced that there's a bit of an increase on the payment side. We were get paying 2.5% on a grandfathered rate plus 25 cents or whatever on QBO payments. And that's just up. So everyone's up in arms right now about pricing. And it got me thinking, well, prices go up. You know, that's one thing I've noticed about software. It just seems that price a lot of companies just keep their price the same and how can you how can you exist if you always keep your prices stable we're always telling people to reevaluate your prices every year make sure you're maximizing your margins and that you're not just keeping your prices steady and then all of a sudden these app companies are raising them and everyone's up in arms so it's kind of like i think you have to factor that all in into your whole planning and in that knowing it if you know andrew asked about stickiness i don't i'm not a big fan of jumping around um, very often. I think you find the tools that work really well for you and you got to stick with them. And if there's an increase, you just have to factor that in. So I've been kind of preaching that a bit, but on the same vein, Pluto doesn't really serve my purpose because I hardly use it at all. I had literally four clients on it, all not-for-profits, and I used it just to pull a, um, a, you know, 20, 30 bucks a month off of them on for software licenses. So you know, I was paying $4 in fees a month, literally four bucks. So it's like, whatever. So I'm going to move on to a slightly different platform that does, does that better. But at the same time, I don't really, I'm not one of these people that when a shiny toy comes along or a new shiny tool comes along, I just run to that and say, I need to know that one. Because I think if we spend too much time chasing around those new tools, then you're never going to stay focused on your 
business, your core business. So we've been talking about CRMs and, and that was one area that I jumped around forever. You know, I did HubSpot. I've looked at Insightly. I've looked at, um, I wanted something that integrated a little better with QuickBooks Connect or sorry, QuickBooks Online because um, the one thing I'm, I don't like about QBO is that the built-in CRM is really too basic. You know, even QuickBooks Desktop has a fantastic CRM compared to, to QBO. So I looked hard and I finally settled on Pipedrive. Um, a lot of people don't know that tool. They're actually um, a company out of Estonia, very popular. It integrates with lots of other tools, really tight with, uh, with Gmail, which I use through G Suite. And it, it, it ties into my proposal software. It's super easy to use. It's easy. So I, I, found, I finally found the CRM that I actually use. So if something shiny comes along in that CRM space, it's going to be pretty hard to pull me away because it, it single-handedly changed the way I do business. I'm much more organized. I'm doing better onboarding. So, you know, there's that fine line, but what do they do if they up my rate, 50 bucks, hundred bucks a month. And I'm like, huh, you know, are we ready for that? And I think we always have to be ready for the potential, demise of that tool and you know even just um you know some tools just disappear they just don't have the funding and they just disappear what happens if you're hooked on that so i think we're all at the mercy of this fast moving freight train and we always got to keep an eye out for stuff but not get too distracted that's what i'm trying to avoid yeah i think you're right you don't want to just be jumping ship um you know you've got to build into your pricing the fact that software is going to increase in price so that you're not up against a wall when they raise their prices and you're like, Oh no, no, that's my entire no, What are we going to do? Yeah. yeah. And then um, the grand scheme of things, a lot of times the increase isn't really that big. Like I, I was talking to somebody t- uh, today or yesterday and they mentioned, Oh, it's going to, my client's going to pay $60 more a month and they have like 30 employees. So I said, Oh, two bucks an employee. whoop de do in the grand scheme of things, it's $60 a month. Like, is that really a big deal? You know, on an annual basis, that's not a lot of money. So, you know, find a way to deal with it instead of getting paralyzed by these price increases because the company was big and they're profitable. Why is $60 a month really that big of a deal? So I think sometimes people just need to take a deep breath and say, okay, what does this mean? You know, you might have to adjust something else, but it's not going to, it shouldn't put you out of business. And I think sometimes people do feel the sky is falling. And I don't think that's really the way to approach these price changes. Um, I, I watch what happened um, in the, in the U S when, with all these prices or when QB, uh, QB live came out, it's amazing how people just, they just react first instead of sitting back and thinking, okay, what do I need to do? And I think that's the key is not to get paralyzed by these price increases, but be ready for them and not just necessarily say I'm leaving. I can't believe how many people I heard say I'm leaving QuickBooks online because they're raising my prices. And it's like, do you know how hard it is to just pack up and leave QBO and go to an alternative platform and, you know, relearning it, reconverting your clients you know, you got to adjust. Don't, don't have that hair trigger reaction and say, I'm leaving. You have to adjust in some cases. In other cases, they, you know, a, a tool might price itself out of the market and there are alternatives. So I think that you have to be ready for price increases, but not be reactionary. Yeah. And as Steve said, some software is really easy to switch off of and yeah. other softwares aren't, you know, Hector, what about you? What's the one software that no matter what the price increase, you'd never drop. <laughs> QuickBooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, I could not see Hector with another label but QuickBooks. But yeah, well, can you imagine? Like, I, I was thinking the other day, I'm like, I should, I'm gonna start a zero YouTube channel, and I was like, <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's gonna make me very unhappy. I, I just, I know it. Did you hear um, what I did on April Fools this year, Hector? Or were you no. there? My group, my Facebook group, I. Um, on April 1, I, it's called Get Into It. And I put a big zero logo on it first thing in the morning on April 1. And, it's, and it said, get zero. And I told the whole world that I was, that I was jumping ship. And some people believe me. They didn't look I, at their I fell for it. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? And I was like, come on. And I got a few phone calls from into it saying, you know, what's it going to take to keep you around? And I'm like, oh, I'm just kidding, guys. Look at the calendar, please. 
Oh, you should ask for something. You should ask for something. <laughs> yeah, um, at least a free beer. Like the yard was yeah. hot. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I think probably QuickBooks desktop, not QuickBooks online in itself, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I, I've looked at other cloud accounting apps. I looked at Zero. I looked at um, um, Wave and, and FreshBooks. And, and I, can, I can really see how much of a nightmare it would be for me to go from QBO to something else. But I really, I feel comfortable enough in QuickBooks desktop. So that if QuickBooks online, I mean, if somebody over into it just decides that, that you know, QuickBooks online is going to cost $500 a month or something crazy like that, as long as the QuickBooks desktop alternative at the price that is now, I would have no issues bringing my clients down to QuickBooks desktop. But, you know, QuickBooks desktop enterprise has, has, really, has raised its price significantly. I mean, I, I remember when I used to sell QuickBooks Enterprise 30 user for about $5,000 one-time cost. <laughs> That's it. You know, five, maybe $5,500 one-time cost. And every three years that would upgrade. You know, now a 30 user, it's almost $9,000, you know, per year. You know, so, so only in five short years, they figured out how to, how to raise that price. But I've, 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 I've gone with my clients through the exercise because they come to me and they say, hey, they raised the price of QuickBooks Enterprise again. Should we jump ship? And when we, when we look at the alternatives, especially on the mid-market yes. inventory type software, it's like we thought $9,000 was expensive. I mean, all these other programs, Sage 100 and NetSuite, all these things start at about $15,000 a year. Plus, they all quote you the annual cost times two as an implementation fee. So if NetSuite will cost you $10,000, the most basic one, the implementation fee is $20,000. I mean, it's, 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 it's just crazy. And, 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 and there really isn't another alternative out there in, in that market. So I think QuickBooks Desktop still has... A, a, it just has, has a great bang for the buck. Uh, QuickBooks Online, you know, I'm actually really, really mad that, that Intuit did the, did the um, chart of accounts limitation on, on QuickBooks Online Plus. I think, I think QuickBooks Online Plus, it's a great program. 70 bucks, it's more than what everybody else is charging. They're getting the money's worth. Even if you raise it to 80, 90, maybe close to 100. But limiting the chart of accounts to 250 to me was a big blow. I, I've, I, was, I was very against it when they asked me, you know, into it, they, they, they call some of their, you know, influencers and stuff and say, hey, what do you think about this? But it's for no reason because I, I doubt that 100 of my colleagues agreed that it was a good idea to do it. So, I, I mean, that's the one thing that really got me mad. I understand that they're trying to sell $150 a month and it might still be worth it. But just limiting the chart of accounts to me was kind of a big problem. And, and my, my other challenge with QuickBooks Online in general is QuickBooks Online is not an easy program to transfer data into and transfer data out from. And, 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 all, and all these other apps, Pipedrive, Insightly, whatever we're talking about, a lot of part of our, our choice for buying software, and I think a lot of us fail to do this, is to look at how easy it is to extract the data if you wanted to jump ship. And QuickBooks Online is not it. It absolutely is not it. QuickBooks Online is not an easy program to extract data from. So it's not just the, the learning curve or learning a new program, whatever, whoever the competition for Intuit is, which they really don't have any. Um, you know, I wouldn't recommend anyone, anything else, cloud software other than QBO. Everything else is junk out there. But it doesn't make me feel good that it, it's Remember difficult. Remember who our guest is in the I wanted to. What? So remember who our guest is in two weeks. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, look, honestly, look, um, I, I've, I, I personally think it's junk because it takes me a long time to do anything in any other programs. I, I'm biased because I've been using QuickBooks for 20 years. I understand maybe, maybe I'm not a good example of someone that would be an, an, ob, an objective um, uh, judge of what other, other, the, the other cloud accounting programs are but I just can't I just can't see other programs just being as efficient as QBO is in all aspects on, on, on payment reconciliation bank feeds I mean I'm sure there's some opportunity to innovate 
around bank fees and payments and automation, but there really isn't. They don't have they don't have competition. So of course, because Intuit has no competition, they can do whatever they want. You know, raise their prices, and, and like you said, it's very difficult to move to another program anyway. I I would love that Intuit where where to where to, where 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 to say, hey, I know we're the big giant. I know we have the best program. We have the market share, but I want to take it one step further and be bossy and gutsy. We're also going to make it very easy for you to move out from it if you get fatigued of us, if you, if you outgrow us. At that point, I would recommend paying 150 bucks a month. I, I don't mind paying that, but that's the challenge. QuickBooks is a very closed system in order for you to be able to move out. And when people move out of QuickBooks, it's not out of spite. You know, they just outgrow it. I mean, what, what can you do? People outgrow software. I mean, they, they just do it. I mean, I've, you know, um, uh, Andrew changes mics every year. He keeps outgrowing the last mic. Yeah. So I'm saying we outgrow companies all the time. And, and I think there's a lot of goodwill on making it easy for people to, you know, temporarily move somewhere else or something like that. You know, um, you know, Excel has never, you know, made it hard for you to move your data out of Excel into something else. If anything, Excel has been super open to bring stuff in and bring stuff out, you know, and that's part of the success of Microsoft. They, they don't, they don't need to make their systems close to retain their clients. So that's my little rant about that. I, I just really hope that at some point, especially as we're paying $150 a month for QuickBooks Online Advance. They, they need to make the systems easier to migrate both into and, and out. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a really important thing that I, a lot of us don't think about when we're recommending products to our customers or looking at products for ourselves is how easy is the migration path um, for switching on to the next platform that might be better or you might be forced into switching because the platform goes under or there's a massive shift. So obviously that's a, that's a big thing for us to consider and think about uh, for our own businesses as well as our customers. But, you know, there's certain things that, that we know we're going to be with. Like and when, when you build 20 years of expertise on a product, you're not switching off that, which means that if you're, if you know you're dedicated and committed to a product, you better make sure you built in a very significant margin that can absorb sudden price increases because it's happened over and over again with pretty much every product that you can think of, they're constantly raising their prices. They're constantly trying to get you hooked on the product, connected to it, using it, stuck on it, and then they raise the prices. I mean, and, and who can blame them? I mean, that's what we're trying to do as accountants too, right? We always want to deliver a good service and show our clients what great accountants we are and then raise our rates as we continue and show these guys because that's just the nature of commerce, I guess, right? Now we are nearing, I guess we're past our deadline, but what time did we actually get started, Hector? Because I was a little late to the game. We, with we got started about, about 50 minutes late. Let's, let's get uh, Steve to chime in a little bit more yeah. Yeah. Um, about, uh, about the, this blogging niche that you're, that you're working niche. on. So our niche, whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, Steve, tell me about uh, marketing your business. So, so, so in this niche market, that you do you do you have a very specific way that you market and attract them you know so since it's a niche market does it make it easier or 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 is it more strategic no right now it's just i'm doing the best i can with each customer and the right now i feel like i'm in a great position to keep on doing what i'm doing and i'm getting leads through my existing customers and into it are my two greatest uh, sources. So just being on the Intuit uh, Pro Advisor platform has really paid off. And it happened the day after I passed my advanced certification, immediately, immediately. So um, it feels great to be there. And, um, you know, somebody's coming to me and they're in construction. I'm just sorry. I, not going to, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, when you know what you, when you know who you're kind of called to serve, uh, particularly those in the, the creative blogging space, it's just, it's such a, a, a tight group of community that word travels, word travels fast when, when there's a reliable bookkeeper that can ju just jump right in and meet them where they're at and go right at it. So 
Let me ask you a question. How many new clients a month? No, to a certain clients. Give me a second, Andrew. The the does it happen to you that when you tell someone no that they want to work with you even they're like you know has that happened to you uh i i occasionally get emails back and such and such but you know i i feel like you're just helping out somebody in their journey of being a business owner and i enjoy having discovery calls even if i know we're not a good fit but i've never i've never had that scenario where they they just keep saying yeah yeah Steve yeah it just I just in in some way I've I've been able to it doesn't it's not it's not an issue I, I don't think it's an right. issue so so you so you you basically hone down on communicating hey you know we just spent thirty minutes it looks like your business is fascinating uh, someone is going to you know be a great fit for you unfortunately it's not where I can where, yeah. where I can add the most value so mm-hmm. what, whatever that script looks like you have. You yeah, have it just kind of a gut feel kind of check. And if I'm not going to get into inventory businesses and construction and just, it's just not interesting to me. I, I, I just, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not a good fit. So mutually and add value some other way and meet others. But um, you. Go ahead, Andrew, sorry. You were saying yeah, how many crazy. clients? Yeah. How's the growth going? How many clients a month are you getting? Well, I can say, um, uh okay so I, I like to compare my my numbers to when i quit my old job mm-hmm. and so right now it's august and and i've already i've i've already beat my salary that i had on my old job and it's i'm on track to double it wait 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 hold on so, I got that. I've got uh, <laughs> <laughs> take those mics away yeah. Likes away. No more of those things. Heck, heck, uh, heck, new toy. Heck, new not toy. using his anymore, but I think Andrew, you must have just bought that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty new. I was still playing with it, but I don't mean to take away from you, Steve. I, I mean, no, that's it's all. It's all good. Um, I am, I am definitely in growth mode, and it's it's just incredible to, to uh, to just be bringing on new new customers. Um, about I'm averaging numbers wise like full recurring monthly, you know, month to month. Cause I'm all, I'm doing all month, uh, fixed, fixed monthly with, I love the QBO as the recurring transaction. So I, we pick a date and it, I set up a sales receipt that will hit at a certain date. Um, so I'm up to, uh, 20 now, 20 recurring, 20 recurring month to month clients and right now. What's your next plan for growth as far as bringing on new talent and, have you thought through your, your next growth phase of hiring and? Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a bookkeeper and I'm going to want to have an admin who can help me with my calendar and communication. So I don't know which will come first. Um, Still working it out. I also teach classes in San Antonio. So I I do have an assistant that helps me with, with all my classes. So I've got six classes in September that I'm really excited for. And, um, I've got uh, an assistant who um, just helps me uh, teach QuickBooks online and Excel. And I'm in the front teaching classes. He's walking around with the students that might not be there to help. Um, it's, it's so awesome just to have those two extra hands helping me out with the classes. So right now that's just, that's just uh, this person's just helping with the classes, but he's really sharp and it, he's got an interest in the bookkeeping. So We'll see if that turns into actually him doing some bookkeeping from his home with me. So, has has teaching classes brought new clients in or new leads? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You know it. It's like they see you, they like how you your style. Then it's like Steve, I'm calling you tomorrow. We we I have right. a, I I got you some cleanup. Sales pitch. You don't even need a sales pitch. It's just no. You just you don't. You just show them how the software works. They fall in love with you. They, they fall in love how you teach. They, that proves your credibility. And then, then it's just a matter of my books are a mess and it's, it's a simple formula. My books are a mess. We clean up the books and it's monthly and it just seems like it's, it's just meant to be that way. So I was meant how, to do this. How'd you get your first teaching gig? Um, my father owned New Horizons uh, in Dayton, Ohio. New Horizons is a national company that teaches software and tech stuff. So, uh, unfortunately, he passed away of cancer, and our family was going through a transition of selling the business. And 
we moved back from the Dominican Republic to Ohio when that happened and I needed a job. And so I, I started teaching applications right off the bat. Wait, 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 Dominican Republic. Yeah. Seven years in the Dominican Republic. Uh, working, come back. <laughs> uh, with, uh, in Harabacoa. So you speak Spanish? my wife and I worked at, my wife and I were elementary to high school teachers there in a, in a Christian okay. educational missionary field. That's pretty cool. It was awesome. Yeah. I love learning these little tidbits about people that you wouldn't get without these random conversations. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's, let's wrap it up. Uh, Andrew, yep. uh, let's do some final, final words here. I think we, we hit the hour. Yeah, we hit the hour. So, uh, you know, thanks, Steve, for jumping in. Thanks, Brad, for jumping in. Um, we were worried we may not have a, have a show. And Hector, I guess you got your, your kids to sleep nicely. Um, I didn't hear them or you're just muting yourself at the exact right moments. One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been an interesting chat. I, I think there's there's um, lots to digest here. And Steve, you got such an interesting story. You're hitting all the yeah, marks. No kidding. You're, you're, you're growing successfully. You're niching using technology i think you're a perfect example of what so many people in this industry are striving to achieve um so kudos to you and, and congrats on like like you said it's it's not even you know the end of august yet we've got a few more days and you've already surpassed your full-time revenue so i think mm -hmm. that, that that's an incredible success story and i think you know kudos goes to you and um and thanks again for joining us today and um, Brad, thank you again for putting on the fedora and, and joining me for, for another <laughs> been a thing. while. I yeah. figured if I'm on with you, we have to do this, Andrew. It's, it's our <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. Luckily, I had it right here, so I was ready to go. I love the fedoras because they cover my bald head. <laughs> so, Brad, any, any final words from you? No, um, you know, thanks for having me. I just saw the message on the, on the FNL site there saying there was nobody going to be on and course then you said we'll pop in and then we had a few tech issues so it just didn't seem like it was meant to be and i just clued in that it is on facebook too so i normally like to share that on onto our facebook group so i got all that done but yeah thanks for having me that was a lot of fun and steve um your story is really cool i i gotta say it's it's very unorthodox the way you've come to this um self-taught accounting and bookkeeping Normally, I just cringe when I hear that, but um, I think you've got it dialed in, and, and it's, it's impressive. It's inspiring. I enjoyed, I enjoyed your stories. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Good night, everybody. Take night. care. Have a good weekend, everyone. You too.